Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. You can feel the tension. Someone says something, does something, confesses something, it's wrong. They're wrong. But do we have the right to be offended? What gospel benefit comes from our being angry? Is righteous anger even possible for us? So here's the hypothesis. We're not entitled to get offended or stay angry. What if giving up your right to be offended can be one of the most freeing, healthy, simplifying, relaxing, refreshing, stress-relieving, encouraging things you could possibly do? Could it be that giving up our right to be angry over every and any offense could be our greatest witness of the power of Jesus Christ in our lives? Maybe we should talk about this? Good morning. Welcome to all of you, those who are online and who are in-house. Privileged to have you with us today as we gather around God's Word in the throne room of our God and hear a last segment on being unoffendable, giving up the right to be angry. The Word of God that we're going to look at is our the gospel lesson assigned for today from Matthew 5. And because you sat for the last song, and I think the preacher might go a little long, please stand for the reading of the gospel, but also out of respect for the words of our Savior. I'll try to keep it lively, keep you awake. All right. Uh, Matthew 5, 38 to 48. We'll have the ladies read the first section, which is going to take us through to the end of 42. And then the guys will pick up 43 to 48. So these are the words of Jesus uh, at the Sermon on the Mount spoken to Jew the Jewish people, primarily his disciples. They are familiar words. They can be as jarring to us as the sermon bumper was intended to be. Jarring for us in thinking how we are to live. So ladies, if you would read 38 to 42, and then we guys will pick up to finish. <laughs>
This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, so have we stopped swinging at the world, not with a bat, but with our fist? Or are we still holding on to a grudge against someone who wronged us once upon a time? I remember two relatives from my grandpa's generation, two back who were always competitive with farming and egos. The grudge was deep. The words had been bitter. And I honestly cannot remember these two men ever being in the same house, much less the same room. They never stopped swinging. Switching gears. True or false, Jesus was a radical. True. Jesus was, Jesus is. Now, please don't misunderstand. Jesus and his disciples were not rolling over cars and burning them in the street. They were not blocking the way to City Hall. But they were speaking a message that was radical, is radical in the ears and hearts of the world, a message of a different kind of love. It was a message that said, break the cycle of hate, stop swinging, and be children of the Heavenly Father. He was a radical. He is a radical. The word radical comes from, or is a word that means root. Math people among us will love that. It means root. The foundational root of true love is only found in the Creator God. The one who loved this sinful world so much, he sent his son to die for the sins of the world. A radical from the root, a radical love that has changed this world one person at a time, right down to you and me. Now where did Jesus begin? He said this to us. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him the left also. You and I know the way of the world, don't we? Law firms that will, are lining up to assist you in smacking down on people and getting more than a pound of flesh if they wrong you through a car accident or a, or a botched medical procedure, we'll help you come after them. And the thought on the street you wrong me and my people, double back coming your way. Now, there is a place for justice in this world when we wrong each other. It is God who put into his word eye for eye, tooth for tooth. In his civil law, 
His law code designed to, to help Moses and the Israelites run a nation, a nation of people made up of believers and unbelievers, those who would listen to God and those who don't. God had made sure to say over and over through his prophets things like this. Make sure the widow and the orphan and the needy among you receive justice. But he never said, if you don't get justice, be like that fire-breathing dragon about to come down and pounce to make sure you get your pound of flesh. Now, in fact, the same God... In the vicinity near that first quote said this, Do not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly. Joe, this shouldn't happen. You shouldn't have done it. What are we going to do? Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in their guilt. But with all of that, Jesus says to us, Someone has to break the cycle of hate. And he calls on us, his people, to take the lead. Turn the other cheek. Now, as you and I think about our lives and people who have wronged us in the course of life, our default emotion and posture might be anger and defensiveness. Jesus, did you see how bad it was? Did you hear what they said about me behind my back and to my face and you want me to turn the other cheek? you got to be kidding. I can't and I won't. Practically speaking, what does it look like to turn the other cheek? Well, Jesus gives us pictures this morning. We've touched on one. Jesus said, turn the other cheek if that's what it takes to make a difference. If I slap you, and you slap me, and I slap you again, what will you probably do? Cry. Cry. Yeah. Some of you would slap me again. Jesus says someone has to break the cycle. Because the world will always slap. And so he says to you and me, be my people. Turn the other cheek. And then he says, compensate the person who wants to sue you, to haul you before a court of law, the law of the land. Compensate the one who sues you, giving them more than what they're asking, if that is what it takes to be different, to love radically, then do it. Third picture, the Roman pack on the screen. There was a supposed Roman law, though culturally this happened, but supposedly a Roman law that stated that any Roman soldier could ask any person in the empire to carry their pack for a mile. And Jesus, I, can, I see a smile on his face. Jesus says, hey, if they ask you to carry it a mile, carry it too. Be different and see if it makes a difference in this world. Now, if someone would hijack my car, put a gun to my head and say, take me to Chicago, first thing we do is we'd have a conversation about maybe a change of destination. But that said, take me to Chicago. 
Then all of a sudden, you and I find ourselves living under two codes of God's law, the moral and the civil. So truly, in total fear, I would probably react something like this. Well, my friend, I'd be happy to take you to Chicago. But just so you know, your God and my God is watching, and that's a good thing. And then I would drive him or her down I-94 to Chicago, trying to find some way to alert the state trooper that there was evil going on in my car. But what would ever cause us to think that way? To act that way? Well, it's called a new heart. The new heart of faith. You see, in this first half especially, Jesus is speaking to the attitude of heart. You and I have been given a new heart of faith in Jesus as our Savior. A new heart with a a heavenly agenda. A new heart that is inspired by Jesus to love differently, to break the cycle of hate in this world. There are a lot of ways we can see in Jesus' life how he lived this. The picture that came to my mind is this one. Movie scene, obviously. Garden of Gethsemane, Judas betraying Jesus with a kiss. Listen to what John tells us in his gospel, the 18th chapter, about this scene. Now Judas, who betrayed him, came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? And I'm thinking there was more respect this time. Um, excuse us, Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go, the disciples. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, Seeing injustice, he drew it, and he struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. That's what I'd do, wouldn't you? It's my Jesus. But Jesus commanded Peter, turn the other cheek, Peter. Put the sword away. Shall I not drink the cup my father has given me? Peter, if I don't love them radically, differently, nothing will change. Put the sword away. Then the detachment of soldiers and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound the Son of God and they led him before the high priest. My friends, Jesus lived differently than the world. And Jesus would die differently than the world. We want to fight when we see injustice. And sometimes we want to fight for him. But Jesus says, be different, turn the other cheek. 
The Apostle Paul summarizes it nicely for us in Romans 5 when he said, you know, God demonstrates his kind of love in this when we were sinners. Christ died for us. Turn the other cheek. So now, time for us to apply this to ourselves. Are you a yeller at the world? or a doer in the world? And which one is more helpful? Evil has been with us since the Garden of Eden. Evil will always think it knows better than God, and evil feeds on itself. It only gets worse. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 24, he tells us, you know, as, you're, as we're going toward the last day of the world, the evil's going to get so bad that even the love of most of God's people will grow cold. Why is that? Because it will be easier to bow the knee to evil and go along with the crowd than to stand up with Jesus and love differently and speak differently Come what may. So evil should not surprise us when we watch the news or when we check our Twitter feed. Evil will be there. So what good does it do for us to get mad? The point of our sermon series. Oh, we can get sad over what's happening, but then what do we do? Do we go back to yelling at the world or we do something about it in the world? There are two women in our congregation that are pretty neat ladies. They send an email to us pastors at least twice a month. And it goes something like this. This last from Terry. Terry wrote, Deb and I are meeting at church this Friday to pray. What can we pray about for you pastors and our ministry? Did you know that the, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective? I think our God said that. These ladies are doers. Bob and Char are two of God's people at St. Paul's that are forever doing with the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus as Savior and the good news of God's love with their friends and co-workers and families and, and somehow point them back to St. Paul's and the bridge. It's amazing. What is it that inspires and drives people to, to live like this, to think like that, to plan like that, to love like that, to pray like that? Well, it all comes from Jesus, doesn't it? The one who did love radically, plan radically, live radically, Pray radically. He's the one who found you in the waters of holy baptism. Because his radical love is all about saving people one soul at a time. And so you and I are here in his family. And now he says to us, as I have loved, so you must love. And together we'll change the world. Don't yell. Do and turn the other cheek. But there's more. He goes on. 
You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. The world loves to shape morality to its own liking. God had said, love your neighbor. It was the Jewish rabbis who added the thought, and hate your enemy. The word that Jesus uses here is not, love those who are neighborly to you. The word is simply, love those who are near you. We've used this picture before, but these are the people across the backyard fence. Whether they are neighborly or not, he or she is your neighbor. But it is the way of the world to narrow the scope and the focus of who is my neighbor. Down to those people I like, or those whom I can tolerate, or those who are like me, or those who are deserving of my love. But loving only those who loves me, love me means that I'm hating on those who hate me. And God says, to hate is murder. Jesus addressed it this way. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors, the impenitent sinners, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What Jesus is teaching us is that as long as this world stands before Christ comes in the clouds in rescue of us and judgment of the world, God's love through the blessings of creation is unconditional for all people. Now, truth be told, you and I like what Jesus says. He says, be children of your Father in heaven. We like being children of the Heavenly Father, right? In fact, some of us have been singing about being children of the Heavenly Father since we were knee-high to a grasshopper, and we still like singing it today. So let's remind ourselves how cool it is to be children of the Heavenly Father. Sing with me. Parts is fine. Let's get through this together with the, for the joy of our hearts. Ready? Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in His bosom gather. Nestling bird, your star in heaven, such a refuge there was given. God his own doth tend and nourish, in his holy courts they flourish. From all evil things he spares them, in his mighty arms he bears them. If I wasn't nerved up, I'd be crying. Isn't it wonderful being children of the Heavenly Father? Can't you just taste heaven? Don't you just want heaven? 
But what about when Jesus tells us that to be children of the Heavenly Father while we're alive is to be like Him in His radical love? Children of the Heavenly Father love their enemies. Think of Paul's words in the city of Athens to the Athenians who were polytheists, didn't know about the true God. Paul's standing there. He says this in Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him. Dear friends, until the last day of this world. God's unconditional love for all of mankind will continue. The sun will rise in the east and set in the west. The rain will fall. The rain will quit on the fields of and the lives of believers and unbelievers. In the hopes that sinners would hear his voice that they would sense his love and they just might ask one of his children can you tell me about your God my friends is it in me is it in you to be unoffendable to be like our God in heaven, to be like our Father and to love like Him? Or will I only love those who have never wronged or offended me? Will I only love those who like me or who are like me? Will I only love those who think like me, vote like me, and speak like me? Imagine if Jesus had lived life that way. You and I would not have a Savior. He would not have come into this world to be our brother, to die for our sin. He would not have taken the punishment of hell upon himself in our place because we are not worthy. He would not have paid the way to eternal life with his blood because we are not like him. But why did he do it? Because he's a radical kind of God. With a radical love at its root, it is unconditional. The love of the God who sent his son to die for the sins of the world. God's love is the heart of who he is. The Bible says God is love. Not kind of loving, not loving sometimes. God is love. And we are sitting here today because his love has cascaded down through the centuries and found you in the waters of holy baptism or through the hearing of the word. So my friends, you radical Christians, you, 
Are you ready to be unoffendable, to be like your God, and to stop yelling in our hearts and with our lips? Can anyone be our neighbor? Can we stop giving them hell and instead give them Jesus? You know, the sun still rises and sets. The rain still falls and quits. God's love is continuing. And he says to you and me, you are my people. Be different and love as I have loved you. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.